Today we begin a month-long study, which should greatly prepare each of us for that which is to come upon this earth. We're seeing some very strange happenings. We saw coronavirus hit in the year 2020. That was a big event, and it should be like a trumpet, which tells us that we are nearing the end of this world, that Jesus will come to gather the elect of God, and God will destroy this present heaven and earth with fire. God has prepared a new heaven for his people, where we will be taken. If we hold fast to faith in God and continue to live uncompromised lives in Christ Jesus, the Word of God. So the focus is going to be the foundation we lay at this point in time. And we lay that foundation primarily through obtaining wisdom from God and keeping godly integrity in our own lives. Some of that will cause us to uproot our past habits and past way of life. But we are dealing with eternal life, not a temporary thing, as is this life. This will end, and eternal life begins. We can't even comprehend eternal life. It is forever. So the things we do this month are crucial. They can have an effect of holding you fast to the Word of God so that you can enter in to true godliness and hold on to eternal life. For in the trials that come in the days ahead, many will turn from the Word of God. How do I know that? Because Jesus tells us that in Matthew 24. We'll look at that. At the time Jesus walked on this earth, the disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple, which had precious stones in those buildings. They were carried away by the buildings, by the temporary things. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. All these things you look at with your natural eyes and admire, they'll be gone. So Jesus is going to direct them in another way. 
And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And the first thing Jesus talked to them about was the apostate church that would come before the end of time. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. There will be many false teachers. There will be many false prophets. There will be many false pastors. And there will be many false Christians, people who think they're Christians, but they have not been born again by the Spirit of God. They simply joined the church and were baptized. Now, what does it really mean to have God change us? God showed the prophet Ezekiel what he was going to do in the New Testament and in the New Covenant. They had really been unable to do the sacrifices set up in the Old Testament. They couldn't keep the law. And they were continually breaking the law. So God gave them a new covenant where they were going to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But he was going to do something else to change us. He was going to give us a new heart and a new spirit. Before I was born again, I was like the world. I was seeking my own advantage in everything. I had my own ambitions. I was pursuing them. I didn't stop and think about God. I didn't think about, how does God want me to handle this? I can't ever remember thinking about that, though I had gone forward at a church and was baptized in water. My life did not change one bit. I just continued to pursue my own interests, never thinking of God. But when I was 37 years old, God spoke to me, changed me, gave me a new heart and a new spirit, and then I didn't want to be around those people I'd been around before. I didn't want to do the things I'd done before. I was so different. Now I wanted to know about God. I wanted to know how to please God. I wanted to follow God and go in the way of God. I wanted to be around others who were Christians. I wanted to read the Bible. Before, I never thought about reading the Bible. Though I'd been baptized in water, and, so to speak, joined a church. So God did something really special for each of us. He gave us a new heart and a new spirit. Have you ever seen somebody on television 
and that person just had a really bad heart and you knew it and you felt so sad because if only they had the heart of God and the mind of God, they wouldn't act that way. Take these people that go out and kill people. They wouldn't do that if they had the heart of God and the mind of God. Instead, they are turned over to devils, and they're doing works of devils. And you feel sorry that they are doing these things instead of following God. Well, this is what it takes. It takes God giving us a new heart and a new spirit. And then we choose to go in that way. Concerning the end of this world, it comes because of the sins of man. Can't you see how different it is now from the way it was even 10 years ago? I'm just shocked at how fast it's moving. How much time do we have left? No man knows. But we do know the seasons. We do not know the day nor the hour that Jesus will return. But we certainly know the seasons. And Jesus explains it this way. When you see the leaf come on the tree, don't you know that winter is over? That the leaves are going to come out and the fruit will come on the tree? And you will enjoy the fruit. Don't you know the season is changing? Don't you know which season you're in? When the snow falls, don't you know summer is over? It's like that. We can see a race of civilization toward destruction. One time God gave me a dream I saw a stagecoach being pulled by four black horses. And there was an extremely silly woman sitting inside the stagecoach. She had long blonde curls, and she was looking out the window and just grinning. And she had no idea that there was no driver on the stagecoach. The horses were running wild. She was in the stagecoach. The cliff was a few feet away, and the horses were going to run off the cliff when take the stagecoach with her to destruction. She didn't even know destruction was upon her. But we're not that way. We see all the sins that are focusing and blossoming in the world and that tells us the wrath of God is coming upon this earth. We're at the threshold. Have to be. Back to Matthew 24. Jesus says, verse 6, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. 
For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. When God looked upon the earth in the days of Noah, he was sorry he had created man because he saw so much corruption and violence. We have enormous amounts of corruption and violence today. And that is what brings the wrath of God upon the earth. The sins against God bring the wrath of God upon this earth. I was watching television news a couple of nights ago. The newscaster was interviewing some authority. And the newscaster said, Why are we seeing all this violence? Why are we seeing all of these things happening today? And the person being interviewed just sat there dumbfounded at the question. Why? Why do we see all this gun violence? Why are these things happening? Why are all these storms coming in? Why is this happening? Why is one wave of storm coming after another? Why? And the person being interviewed he just sat there silently, and then he said, I don't know. Well, don't you know? Don't you know? Because sin is erupting on the earth, right in front of our noses. And there's nothing you can do about it. It is simply a leaf on the tree showing the end of this world. It's coming soon. The wrath of God, the judgment of God, is coming soon. So you want to be sure you are in a position so that you will be safe in the midst of the storm. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul said to the church, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as the thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others 
but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith, faith in God, faith in the word of God, and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, which is the word of God, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. So the newscaster says, why are we seeing all this? Can't you tell things are different right now? I've never seen anything like it. March 11th, 2020. The day coronavirus surfaced in the United States. What happened? What happened March 11th, 2020? That I can so strongly mark the exact date the pestilence came. Now, there were cases of coronavirus, but what changed it all? I was watching television, and they began to talk about it. And they said on March 11th that everything was being changed on the National Basketball Tournament, March Madness. They were not going to allow fans into see the basketball game because of this virus, flu-like virus that spread like wildfire. So they were going to let only the families of the players come to the game, and they were going to play the game in isolation. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. In the United States, this affected everything at that time of year. That was one of the biggest events of the year. Well, then just immediately, they made a change. They said, no, we're going to just not let the parents come. And then almost immediately, they said, no, we're going to cancel the entire tournament. This is the biggest tournament of the year. Now, maybe you don't care about basketball. I really don't care about it either. But I noticed that this big event was being canceled. Then the PGA comes out, the professional golf, and they cancel the whole season. The baseball cancels the whole season. The professional basketball cancels the whole season. And everything stops. 
And then pictures began to show up on television of Times Square. Usually it's packed with people. Usually it's wall-to-wall taxis. There was nothing. It was like everything disappeared. It was empty. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. What is this thing? What is this thing, I began to say. And it, it affected the whole earth. Didn't you notice that? I just couldn't stop watching the showing of Times Square. I've been to New York City a couple of times, and you can't even walk down the sidewalk usually. It's so packed with people. And there was nothing. It was like some gigantic storm had come and removed all the people. I wouldn't have believed it if I had not seen it. I wouldn't have even believed it could happen that fast, just overnight. It reminded me so much of Revelation 18, of the fall of Babylon. Now, it wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't the fall of Babylon, but it was certainly like the fall of Babylon. Revelation 18. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice saying Babylon the great is fallen is fallen and is become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird for all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that she received not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, fill to her double. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her, for she hath said in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Nothing bad will happen to me. I can do what I want to do. I have the right to have an abortion. I have the right to be a homosexual. I have the right to live the way I want to do. When they say peace and safety, sudden destruction, 
cometh upon them as a woman in travail, and they shall not escape. Align yourself with God and escape by agreeing with God and come out from the people who live the way of the world. How much she has glorified herself. That's all she's thought of. Verse 8, therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. So what is happening? So what is happening right now? Why are we having all these snowstorms in the southern part of California? Doesn't that get your attention? Why are we having in Texas all of these tornadoes and winds and rains in January or February? Tornado season isn't until late spring and summer. Why is it happening in winter? Doesn't this shake you up a little bit and cause you to wonder? Where does it come from? Where does the rain come from? Where does the snow come from? It comes from God. Isn't it a trumpet saying, pay attention? Revelation chapter 18, verse 8. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. All these unusual events should be like a trumpet to us, saying, hey, look at this. For we know it's God. And we know the earth is out of control. And we see men sin. And we see a lack of integrity, loss of integrity in the highest places on this earth. Judgment comes because of the wrath of God over such sins. Adultery, fornication, abortion, homosexual, lesbian, abnormal affections. Listen to what the Bible says about homosexuals and lesbians. Romans 1, verses 26, 27, and 28. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural youth unto that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly. 
and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Vile affections. Born homosexual, born lesbian? No, Mark chapter 10 says in the beginning, God created them male and female. But they were turned over by God to vile affections. Romans chapter 1. Cling to the truth from God and ignore the thinking of the natural man who wants to approve the natural man in the sin. You can see from the Holy Scriptures You can see what sin is from the Holy Scriptures. Abraham's nephew, Lot, chose to live in Sodom. And Sodom was one of the most wicked cities in the world. Genesis chapter 13, verse 13, describes God's feeling about Sodom. Genesis 13, verse 13. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the time came that God decided to destroy Sodom because of their wickedness. They were wicked before the Lord exceedingly. Genesis 19, let's see why they were destroyed. And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground, and he said, Behold now, my lords, Turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house and tarry all night and wash your feet and ye shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. Now Lot knew of the wickedness of the men of Sodom. He knew there was great danger for these two men who had come into the city and he was going to offer them protection. Lot recognized the wickedness. Now, what were they doing? Lot did not know these were angels that had come to destroy Sodom. Angels do not have wings. Those are cherubs that have wings wings. Angels look like natural men. There's a scripture that says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for in doing so you might be entertaining angels unawares, because they look just like natural men. 
So Lot pressed upon these two men greatly, who were really angels. And they turned in unto him, and entered into his house. And he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round about, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. From every quarter of the city of Sodom, they came out with the motive of having sex with these two men who were really angels, who were staying at Lot's house. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out to us, that we may know them. Have sex with them. Verse 6, And Lot went out at the door unto them, and shut the door after him, and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Lot knew the homosexual act was a wicked act. We read in the Bible that they are turned over to these vile affections of homosexuals and lesbians because they would not present God in a proper way or keep the image of God before their mind correctly. Romans chapter 1. And if you will look at Second Peter chapter 2, you will see something else about Lot. He was a righteous man, and he was vexed continually by the men of Sodom by seeing and hearing what they do. What about this world today? Does it vex you when you see nearly naked women on television? Does it vex you when you see adultery and fornication and various sexual sins flaunted in front of your face in movies? There are some people that seek after these things. Sometimes we don't know it's going to come on in the movie. What do you do when it comes on in front of you? Do you get excited or do you quickly turn it off? The righteous cannot coexist with the unrighteous. The righteous are not thrilled and excited over sin. I'm recording this on March 4th, 2023. They just concluded a courtroom trial of a very famous lawyer in South Carolina, Alex 
Murdaugh, who was tried for murdering his wife and son. And I saw a portion of the courtroom setting, and I saw him sitting there. I was so sorry that this had happened. I was so sorry for the fall of this family. It turned out he had stolen millions and millions of dollars from people also in his law firm. How can a man fall that far? How could this happen to a famous family? For four generations, they had been famous people in South Carolina. Where did they go wrong? What happened? The little foxes spoil the vine. Sin is not like the atomic bomb all at once. Sin is a gradual, pernicious creeping into the hearts of men and it eats away at them. They take the first step. It all begins with the first step where they give up integrity. And it goes from there. So I'm going to say to you, our role at this point in time, do not compromise. Know what's in the Bible Know what is sin by what the Bible says. Cling fast to living godly lives and do not approve sin. Because the approval of sin, the approval of your next door neighbor who is sinning and making them feel good about, each, about themselves, tears down your own integrity and will begin to be the fall of yourself. In Proverbs chapter 1, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. I had a woman who is a neighbor of ours, and she came into my bedroom and said, do you approve homosexuals and lesbians? Or she said gay and lesbian. I don't call it gay, I call it homosexual. And I said, no, I don't think so. I was so stunned that she asked me. I had been wrapping my arm with a tennis support wrap that the tennis players use, those cuffs they put on their wrist, because my wrist had been broken. And I selected one of those tennis bands and ordered it from Amazon, and it was bright, colorful stripes, which I thought was pretty. I didn't know it was the color of the lesbian flag. It meant nothing to me. It was just bright colors. She saw that tennis wrap and thought it meant I supported lesbians and homosexuals. And she said, does this mean you support gay and lesbians? And I said, I don't think so. I was so shocked. I never wore it again after learning that. I threw the tennis wraps away. But I sent her the scriptures from Romans 1, 
from Genesis 19. I just mailed them to her by U.S. mail so she could consider what the Bible says. She says she's a Christian. She goes to a Catholic church. But she was so excited to think maybe I was one of them. I'm not one of them. If you are a friend of the world and you support them in their sins, you are an enemy of God. James chapter 4, verse 4. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is to be an enemy of God? You can't do it. After that, she didn't overtly try to see us anymore when she found out we weren't one of them. If I see her and she's driving her car down the road, I would wave to her. This is nonsense to think that you're going to show physical hostility to the sinners. Then you'd have to go out of the world, Paul says. But you judge the church. And you don't participate in the sin. And you do not support the sin. And you don't approve the sin. Rather you say, repent and be saved. Turn from the sin. You show them by the scriptures it's a sin. So they can turn from the sin. If God gives them a heart to turn from the sin. I do not hate drunkards or homosexuals or lesbians or anyone who's a sinner. I feel sorry for them. And whenever possible, give them opportunity to see what the Bible says. But the day is coming when God judges the world and the apostate churches who have set aside scripture, and you don't want to be with them when the judgment comes. You want to be living godly lives, and you cannot live godly lives in the midst of the sin. So before God destroyed Sodom, he sent the two angels to get Lot out of Sodom. The angels even said, God has sent us to get you out of Sodom because we can do nothing until we get you out of Sodom. And so the angels took Lot and his wife and his two daughters by hand and literally put them out of Sodom. And he told them not to look back. And Lot's wife looked back and she was turned into a pillar of salt. You can't look back longingly at sin. And so much being attracted to sin has to do with physical beauty. Why did Lot move to Sodom? There was something that attracted him to the neighborhood. It was attractive. Why did the woman look back? Longingly, she looked back after the things she had in Sodom. You just can't do it. We seek a city where God is the builder and maker, and that will be the new heaven, new earth described in Revelation 21, and God will take us there to live for all eternity if we are godly. And being godly means rejecting the way of the world and living by the Holy Scriptures. 
Now, we can live in peace. I don't have any trouble with a lesbian woman that's our neighbor. I don't have any trouble with her. I don't go to barbecues with her. I don't sit down to dinner with her. Then there would be trouble. And I have told her the truth so that she can be safe. And I live in peace with her two doors down. But I just don't go to functions with her and approve her in her sin. Live with the godly if you are godly. Light and darkness cannot coexist together. You turn on the light and the darkness flees. So why is all this happening today? Why are we seeing the slaughter that we have seen at Uvalde, where the young man went in and took a gun and killed all those children? Why are we seeing things like that today? Well, I can tell you, and you should know yourself, because Paul told us why this is happening. Today we'll close with five verses where Paul told us exactly what would happen in the last days. And you should know those already. Second Timothy chapter 3. Paul says, verse 1, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. A few days ago, I was reading this, and on the scripture, without natural affection. Of course, I think of the homosexuals who do not have natural affection and the lesbians who do not have natural affection. But I thought of one other thing. How can a woman kill her child with abortion? That's without natural affection. You try to take a cub away from a mama bear, and you've got a fight on your hands. That's nature. To kill your own child willingly is without natural affection. Paul said they would be truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, cannot control themselves, fierce, fierce. We see plenty of that. And they are despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, they even call themselves Christians and do these things, as did that lesbian woman who attends a Catholic church. But they deny the power of God because they go against the direction of the Holy Bible. And he tells us, from such turn away, which is exactly what we do. 
You don't have to hate them. Just don't go to the barbecue with them. Don't show approval. Don't show anything. If they repent from the sin, regardless of what the sin is, and turn to God and quit doing the sin, then of course you will take them into the church. But you don't take sinners into the church. You don't keep company with sinners until they repent. You show them by the Bible the sin and give them an opportunity to turn from the sin and be saved. And to the woman taken in adultery in John chapter 8, what did Jesus say to her? He didn't condemn her. But he said, go and sin no more. You can't keep living this way and be saved. You can't do it. It won't work. If you are with those who are sinning and the destruction comes, you're going to be in the path of the destruction. So they had to get them separate. They had to get Lot out of Sodom before they destroyed it. God has not appointed us to wrath. We are not of the world. Our kingdom is not of this world. Our kingdom is of the next life which is the eternal life. And we wait in godliness, living in integrity, we wait for the return of Jesus. This basically sets the stage for the next month of broadcast, which are going to deal with the subject of wisdom from God. We will be looking at all of the Proverbs of Solomon and many other things as the Spirit leads. And it should be very exciting to us. And it will give us an opportunity, if we're doing something wrong, to correct ourselves. In closing, let's look at Colossians chapter 3. This gives each one of us a chance to examine the way we're living right now and to turn to God, if needed, and ask him to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. What is above? The will of God. What do you want me to do about this? Seeking the will of God for every breath that we have on this earth. For what we do today and then tomorrow we seek the will of God. We seek the will of God by prayer. We seek the will of God then by reading scriptures, and when a scripture is called to our mind, we do that scripture. Following God. Living in righteousness. 
If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead. Don't you know at the moment you were born again, you died to this world? And you are alive to God? For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now it looks to them like we don't have any life. We don't look like them. But our life is hidden in Christ. And when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members. Put to death sin in your life. You're dead to sin and alive to God. Don't let sin live in you. Don't let anger live in you. We become angry sometimes, but don't let it live. Turn to God and ask him to cleanse us and restore us. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concuspicence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these things. Anger. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Wrath, which is wanting people to get what they deserve, not remembering what you deserved and were spared of. Blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all. The word is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. If you don't have peace about it, don't do it. Turn to God. 
Now take these last few scriptures and examine yourself. If there's any area where you are violating these scriptures in Colossians 3, which I just read to you, starting at verse 10, if there are any of these things that you are failing to do, pray what David prayed. I often pray this over myself. Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. For if God cleanses you, you will be clean. If you try to clean yourself, you might not be clean. But if you repent and ask God to cleanse you, let him do the work in you, he will change you. When I have been with a worldly person, often I come away and pray this. For I know some of the world has rubbed off on me. And I just say, God, please create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. And usually within a matter of minutes or seconds, I feel the burden lift and I feel restored. But you can't go out and willfully sin and think you're going to be all right. That won't work. We'll continue with this subject tomorrow, as well as laying the foundation for wisdom so we can live and endure at the end time on this earth. Thank you for allowing me to share this with you today.